Today's episode of the Shake and Blake Show is. I'm just kidding. This isn't an anchor out. That'll come a bit later. Uh, fun fact: I actually wrote that song for a demonstration speech on how to make lo-fi hip hop in my public speaking class. So, anyway, anyway, I'm here to tell you. Unfortunately, our recording system at Wildcat 91.9 bugged out for a little bit, and around the first 15 minutes of our show tonight got lost. Uh, unfortunately, which is why it's so important that you should download the Wildcat 91.9 app. So you can listen to us live. Make sure you're following us on Twitter as well, at ShakenBlake312. So you know when we're releasing episodes on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and going live. So, I mean, to recap the first 15 minutes, uh, first of all, thank you so much for all the support on the last week of episodes and all the last few episodes that we've had since we've come back from our little hiatus. The support has been awesome. The charts on my anchor thing are looking just insane because there's just been so many more listeners. So thank you so much for that. And then we talked about the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, the news that dropped today. So I kind of give a brief recap of the history from the AP poll, just naming national champions, you know, to uh, the Bowl Coalition and the Bowl Co-Alliance, the BCS, and now the college football playoff and kind of how we got to the four teams and why we need to expand to 12, things like that. We both agree that's kind of good for football. So where you're jumping into right now in the episode is we're talking about how conference realignment could affect the conference championship automatic qualifier possibilities for the new playoff system. And uh, apologies for the technical difficulties, but it's still a really great episode. Uh, We previewed South Dakota, some buy or sell takes for K-State football, and some season opening trivia as well. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, and the interesting thing you brought about the uh, like conference auto qualifiers, it's kind of interesting how it could shake out with what conference realignment is now when you have, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten, two big powerhouses, you know, maybe not wanting auto qualifiers when you have the Big 12, Pac-12 for now, you know, and all the other conferences that, you know, would probably have an easier path to get into the playoff if there were auto qualifications to get in. And let's not forget, this was the same kind of setup that this that could have been passed last year have not the alliance broken that up with the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC. Well, a year later, the Big Ten uh, just absolutely poaches UCLA and USC. And my, my kind of impression is like, all right, uh, yeah, we're get, us in a bit SEC, we're going to try and field more teams into the playoff. Uh, you can, uh, and then we'll give the little dogs like the Pac-12 and the Big 12, ACC, American, schools like that, give them like one or two teams in every year. Uh, it, it's going to, I don't know, like in terms of on the field-wise, it's going to create more uh, open opportunities just because of the uh, previous dominance by the likes of Alabama, Georgia, and the, and the Final Four, uh, and the, the playoff games, and the semifinals. Um, but it does give everybody a little more of a reason to fight now. I mean, you're you're gonna have some games. It's like uh, for like Alabama, and Georgia sakes. Okay, it's not gonna matter. Uh, we'll go. We'll come in with like one or two losses. Um, but it's gonna yeah. be a lot for for a lot of these teams, uh, and especially for K State, where they've just always been pushed out and just like never had the opportunity to compete on the national level. Yeah, just I mean right on the cusp. I and mean, you have all the casual fans who will say the regular season doesn't matter anymore cuz they only watch Alabama and oh no if Alabama loses one time, you know, they'll, they'll still be in the playoff. Well, they probably should have been in the playoff anyway cuz they're such a freaking great team. I mean, again, we're trying to decide who the best team in college football is. You want Alabama in there even if they win all the time cuz they're the best they're the best college football team. Yeah. And another thing I saw men- 
mentioned a lot is maybe it could kind of stop the um, oligarchy of recruiting where you have these kind of four, you know, the four big schools taking all these players when, you, you know, these other schools now can say, hey, like, you know, you've got an opportunity to make the playoffs with us instead of just with Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, schools like that. Well, that goes especially with 4B, Big 12, ACC, and even the Pac-12 now. Yeah. They kind of get a fighting chance now as a, hey, we're we're still an anonymy fi- power five uh, comp. We're still in an anonymy uh, power conference. Uh, we can. You have an opportunity for us uh, to compete with us and to play in the college football playoff. Oh, compete for us and play in the college football playoff. Um, so it, it gives it opens up a few more opportunities. Um, even I mean, even for a group of five as well. Like you'll have that on like automatic. Uh, uh, automatic qualifier from a group of five. Maybe there could be a year or two where you could see uh, maybe a Boise State or a Memphis, San Diego State. Um, maybe they maybe they have a little more bark now with 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 this field opening as well. Um, but boy, I can't imagine if I'm like a TCU fan or or a Baylor fan, I, I'm probably in tears and not in a good way, <laughs> just because it's like, oh, could this not be figured out any more sooner? I know, and I mean, I, I saw somebody on Twitter mention the amount of times K-State would have, you know, been in the 12-team mm-hmm. playoff, and it was at least 10 times, you know, but, you know, you can't go back and change the past, you, you know, and it's not going to be for a few years, they've got to figure out some details, obviously, but, I mean, maybe we can bring some of the magic of March Madness into college football, and, you know, I mean, people, are, one of the arguments maybe for a 12-team playoff is that it creates more parity, I don't know if in football if it creates more parity. I think football is one of the few sports where the better team like usually went. Basketball can be kind of arbitrary where a team can get really hot and things like that. But I think football, most of the time, the best team wins. But I think it'd just be great to see more competition. And here's a good example of, of the overall parity problems in college football. Let's go to the FCS bracket. They have 24 teams. They, they, they determine their national championship by having 24 teams play in their and playing their playoff set and every year it's almost as if North Dakota State just runs a thing I mean you'll have like a year or two where James Madison or Sam Houston uh they'll do their bit they'll do their part winning their winning the FCS but it's just been completely dominant by North Dakota State and same thing goes with Alabama on the upper level so um, it, 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 it's kind of like an experiment I, I don't really have overall like initial thoughts or too much opinions on it just kind of want to see how everything lays out uh, to start things off, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I just don't really understand why people are so mad. Me neither. Like, they think it's a bad thing. I don't know. I don't think this is bad for college football. More teams getting into the playoff and having a chance at a national championship. I mean, maybe for a Bama fan or something, but because I, just, then I don't really get it. Because if you're looking up from an Alabama or Georgia perspective, it's like, okay, so some of these games don't matter anymore. We'll bring in our, second, we'll bring in our, our backup players as well. And then, um, yeah, I mean, pretty much just j- just overall, like you're gonna have games in which you're not gonna have um, overall players that will uh, take the loss too badly. I mean, you're gonna have one or two losses. You're still gonna make into a playoff. The other one is for the bowl games as well. Like if you have an Arkansas or a Penn State that are just left out of a top twelve, uh, you, I mean, you, you if they if they have like uh, other outside bowls such as the Outback Bowl or the Texas Bowl, stuff like that, I mean, they're not going to have any motivation to play in that game either. So it's it's going to be a little bit for, uh, um, it's gonna be a little bit interesting to see um, overall how how the how 
whatever effects will be in play um, with, with this new setup. Yeah, I mean, we could probably talk about this forever because it's just there's so many different things we can talk about. I want to end it on this real quick. So, I mean, we go to 12 teams. We went from, you know, the BCS with two, playoffs with four, and we're now at 12. Can we? Is there anywhere else to go, really? I don't know what else can really change. What I don't – and that's – I mean – People are, you know, using the slippery slope fallacy, like, oh, we're gonna have a twenty, you know, a thirty-six team playoff or anything like that. But I think twelve is a pretty good number. And the more teams that continue to start jumping from the FCS to the FBS, we we saw a lot of teams do that last year with um, Liberty, I believe, James Madison, uh, schools like that. They made the jump up to the FBS, and it doesn't look like with with, this, with the way the amount of schools are growing. Um, it looks like we could be embracing for some more schools, uh, especially if the Pac-12 kind of starts piling some Mountain West schools in the future as well. So 12 is good, but it would not surprise me if in the, if, if sometime in the future the, the field would have to get expanded again. <laughs> yeah, but go to 16 or 20. I mean, you mentioned it with what the FCS and the Division Two do. I mean, they do a tournament too. I mean, college football, I saw an interesting stat on Twitter that most sports usually have – about 20% of their teams in the playoffs. D1 football has 3%. So uh, 20% is like 26 teams, which is a bit absurd. But, I mean, you know, you maybe get a little closer to that than 3%. I mean, I think think it's good for college football. I don't really understand any of the people who hate on it. I think it's good for college football. I I think it I think it is good good so far. I I, well, I'm I'm, I might be in my minority or or be overall group that says hey but give give some of the smaller teams a fight because yeah. i mean alabama and georgia clemson they're going to solidify one two three and ohio state as well uh how about we get some how about we get some more vibrance with with the field as well just give me i mean give me some give me some boise state give me i mean give me a lot of i mean give me some acc squads like florida state miami or more Big Ten schools. I mean, get the Big Twelve at least in there. Oh yeah, you gotta get the, yeah. Get you know the Oklahoma States and the Baylor's and the TCU's that have been really close. Yeah. You know, in those years. Yeah, TCU TCU has it fallen off a little bit. Yeah, well, TCU not now. Cincinnati. You know, yeah. Well, to, well Cincinnati, Cincinnati yeah. BYU as well. Yeah, a diversity of football teams diversity. in the playoff is would is definitely best for college football. One more thing, just thought of it, and then we gotta we gotta move on. What so for the first round of this twelve team playoff? I think I've heard I heard saw this on Twitter before having the first round be like not a bowl game but like a, a home uh, game on campus. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. It'd be a great you know it's great for the universities to make a ton of money and put on a playoff game at home. Mm-hmm. I think at home, home playoff game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium would be absolutely electric. But I I think that's a really cool wrinkle in this as well. I think it'd be pretty cool as well seeing K State go up a like go up against the likes of uh, I don't know Notre Dame or a Clemson. I mean, oh man, just uh, just think about it. Dylan Edwards comes to K uh, <laughs> c- comes to Manhattan for a playoff game. Oh, Plays against Avery Johnson. He won't he won't be at Notre Dame by then. He'll have transferred nah, to um. Before the forty days aren't still up. He, he's he'll, he'll transfer eventually. <laughs> Maybe maybe he won't even sign with. Anyway, we're getting off track. John, you know you know what would be would have been really great. Speaking of the K State teams that could have made the playoff, is get to see some of the people that are being inducted into the Ring of Honor this year in the college football playoff, such as L. Roberson, Colin Klein, Arthur Brown, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Larry Brown and Darren Howard. I believe I got all six of them. I think you got them. Yeah. Uh, let's hear from L. Roberson on um, what it means to him to be inducted into the K-State Ring of Honor. This is amazing. You know, I can recall just getting the, the call from uh, Snyder, and it was 
you know, I was actually in a meeting at the time and he had called me twice. So I was, you know, like, what is he on? What is he on? Why is he calling me? He never calls me twice. You know, so I picked the phone up kind of in the back and, and he had, you know, told me and I would, you know, and I just hollered out with, with joy and I just had to realize, I didn't even realize I was still in a meeting and I was like, everybody turned back and looked at me and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but I walked out the meeting. So, you know, that just sums it up, you know, all of the hard work that I put in, you know, the blood, sweat, the tears, you know, going to war with my, my comrades and, you know, you know, just being a part of Manhattan, what it has to offer. Um, you know, I knew coming to Manhattan, you know, um, you know, one of the reasons I came was, you know, for what they were doing prior to me arriving, you know, winning, you know, being at the top. So I just wanted to go somewhere where I could continue that legacy on and also, you know, build within the guys that I knew were coming in. And, and it worked out good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great, th that's a great clip to show recruits, by the way. You know, um, mm -hmm. if you want to come to K-State, you know, you, you want to come to win. So, uh, and then let's also hear from Coach Kleiman on uh, his reaction to Colin Klein being inducted into the uh, Ring of Honor. Pretty cool for for CK and all those inductees. Uh, uh, shows you the impact he had as a as a player here on and off the off the field. But uh, I'm excited because when I think of Colin, I think of a very humble guy that appreciates um, the opportunities that he had, uh, made the most of the opportunities. Terrific football player, but just the humility and uh, how he's done a tremendous job of uh, with our players. Uh, of talking about being grateful, talking about uh, taking advantage of the opportunity uh, when you're given that. And uh, so it'll be a pretty special weekend for the Klein family. I mean, I think it's really cool for our generation specifically, John, to see these guys inducted because these are the people we grew up with. We grew up with Arthur Brown and Colin Klein and Tyler Lockett. So it's really cool to see them being honored. And, you know, for some of a, for some of us who – well, for some of the other K-State fans that are – just kind of getting new and fresh into K-State. They're going to bear witnessing onto the field um, the players who have built K-State. Some of the, some of the, um, built, a lot of these players uh, particularly raised K-State from the dead back in the late 80s. <laughs> and, now and now we're, we're witnessing, uh, we're, we're, we witnessed players winning Big 12 championships. We witnessed uh, a lot of um, historic making opportunities um, all around, but especially, um, I believe three. I think three of the six guys are on the 2012 Big 12 championship team. I think it is. I think it is pretty monumental. You get. You get. But you do this ten years. You do this ten years later, and you honor them the best way possible. And you know, the, the Ring of Honor ultimately, it, it, it's considered the K-State football version of the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, just giving. Just giving all all the players like like. Um, Oh, Al Robeson, right? Yep. Al Robeson said, um, "It takes a lot of determination um, and a lot of humility to really to to it, it's it's a every day is a hard fought battle as a football player. Um, the amount of hurdles you have to make, um, but especially for a program at K State, in which you're not going to be recruited at the highest level, and you're going to have to prove yourself day in and day out and show and show the entire country." Um, what not only you are made of, but what K-State is made of as well. Yeah, that's the great thing about K-State. You learn that you can accomplish anything if you just put in the work. And that's, you know, something truly inspiring. John, let's go ahead and pause 30 seconds to hear from Tanners. And we'll be right back on The Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove.
And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove here live on Wildcat 91.9. We're here to preview South Dakota, John. Uh, do you want to go first? Dakota. Yeah, just give me what you got on South Dakota. All right, so South Dakota, one of the middling teams in the Missouri Valley Conference last year. They made the FCS playoffs. Something uh, to point out, the Missouri Valley is the top it FCS is, conference. It, it is. I mean, you got North Dakota State, South yeah. Dakota State. It's loaded. Southern Illinois. K-State encountered Southern Illinois last year. Yep. South Dakota encountered Southern Illinois in the FCS playoffs. I believe the Salukis won. Uh, I believe the Salukis won in a really close matchup. Um, but for South Dakota, Carson Camp returns after starting 12 games last year for the Coyotes, uh, completing 180 of 276 passes for 2,252 yards, 17 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. He was among one of the top quarterbacks in the Missouri Valley Conference last season, and he will certainly be. Uh, capable of pulling that off again um in 2022 if south dakota hopes to build off of a seven and five campaign um last year including a massive win over south dakota state (laughs) um i mean they do just launched an absolute cannon to win on a hail mary um it the in terms of really building south dakota it all begins with camp um and then you also have to point out brandon webb one of the top defensive linemen in the missouri valley conference as well most experienced D uh, defensive lineman that returns for South Dakota after starting 10 games in 2021 and appearing in 27 games over in his career thus far. He has tallied 11 tackles for loss and four sacks, and he looks to be one of the bigger impact players for South Dakota in 2022. If he fails to take another step, though, South Dakota will likely struggle to create pressure up front with the um, inexperienced group that they'll have on, uh, on the defensive front as well. Yeah, and they're also returning four of their five offensive line starters as well, so that's important for them getting that experience. Although, I wasn't particularly impressed with their offensive line, yeah. really. And neither were the Alley- Aggieville Alleycats, who did a great preview of South Dakota. If you want like an in-depth breakdown position by position, they put in a ton of work. So make sure to go listen to that if you really want to hear position by position of the scattering report for South Dakota. They also had a close loss to Kansas, yeah. uh, South Dakota did last year. Um, you know, like you said, made the SCS playoffs. Got a returning starting quarterback, returning running back. This is a pretty experienced team, um, and offensively, their numbers are actually pretty similar to K State's. About twenty-seven points a game. You know, two hundred pass yards, one hundred seventy rush yards. Um, but defensively, they give up a ton of pass yards, two hundred twenty-three per game. Uh, their rushing defense is pretty good, but uh, I mean. It's still, you know, it's we're playing South Dakota. I it's it's still you know. uh, it's still a level lower. Yeah, I I, I mean let let's just kind of make this let me make this clear as mud. K, K- State's just <laughs> simply too talented for this uh, to to, yeah. to make this game close at all. I mean, l- last year, of course, you had the Southern Illinois game where Skylar Thompson got injured. I believe early on in the first quarter, uh, Will Howard got into the game, and suddenly things kind of fell apart. Southern Illinois scored. Uh, on three straight possessions, uh, getting getting the lead, I and mean, then K State kind of slowly but surely fought its way back to to beat the Slukies by eight. But um, little little bit of a different matchup with South Dakota. Expect a vanilla script for 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 uh, Colin Klein uh, in game one. Um, I'm anticipating for K State to push uh, South Dakota up and down the field with a relative ease, um, especially if Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks can get going at the wide receiver position. It's not. It's not a good matchup for South Dakota, uh, and, and it's just. It's mainly. It's not just because they're an FCS team. I, I think K State, for the most part, they'll be tough. They'll be hard nosed. Fo- they'll be a hard nosed football team. 
I, I think they can run the football effectively, um, and that with some of the South Dakota inexperience as well will be kind of a cherry on top as well. Yeah, and I mean defensively, our defensive line is just so talented this year. I think they should absolutely have a field day. I'm really excited to see what our safeties can do as well. Josh Hayes, Kobe Savage, two transfer guys, Drake Cheatham as well. And see, see, and see some of the younger guys yeah. as well. Um, I believe Jacob Parrish is going to get some starting time as well. Jake Clifton. Yep, Jake yep. Clifton. Maybe even see some snaps from Jake Rubley. I think he's going to be p- potentially the backup starter behind Martinez. Yeah. Um, and and then add to that, you also got DJ Gittens as well, who has really impressed the coaching staff during the offseason. So. Yeah, it's it's yeah. funny you mentioned Jake Rubley, John. That's a great segue into our – let's go ahead and get into our next segment here of buy or sell. So, John, I'm going to give you a take about K-State football this season. I want you to tell me if you're buying it, if you're buying the stock of the take, are you going to sell it, you know, okay? So All the right. first one is actually has to do with Jake Rubley, and that's Jake Rubley's going to take a snap this season. Bye. Okay. I, I think K-State – well, I think especially for his first game, if, when, if K-State's able to – uh, get this game wide open. We should see a snap from Jake Ruby here, especially when it, I think redshirting Will Howard is that is that correct? They're, they're looking yes. to they're yeah. looking to anticipate. Uh, <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's definitely about time to, to redshirt Will Howard. Um, just really see what Jake Ruby is about. Former four star yeah. quarterback who who previously um, who, who previously looked good on paper. Still hasn't found his rhythm yet, especially under Courtney Messingham. We'll see how he's able yeah. to do under Klein's system. It's a bit of a positive sign, though, for Jake Rubley that he he passed Jaron Lewis on the quarterback depth chart as QB3, kind of, with Will Howard at QB2, although they're trying to redshirt him, obviously. So that one's pretty easy. These next few are pretty spicy. I, I, I don't know how you're going to feel about these. I already told you this one before. But Cade Warner, not Malik Knowles or Phillip Brooks or Deuce Vaughn, will be the leading receiver for K-State this year. Sell. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, n- n- with all due respect to Cade Warner, I mean, I- I'm anticipating for Malik Knowles especially to have a breakout season. And, and especially, I mean, I saw an ultimate spark uh, from that LSU game. Uh, I believe two touch, two receiving touchdowns uh, in that game. I think really he could, I think really he's going to be one of the more breakout players this season. Um, I think maybe Jaden Jackson. You have to you have to throw his hat into the ring as well, um, alongside Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, and um, Malik Knowles. So a little bit of I would I would say a lot of a lot of parity, but ultimately I just don't think Cade Warner is going to be the leading uh, wide receiver. Yeah, I just you know I threw that in there just because um, old as pops. As <laughs> I one, mean, as know, Chris Kleiman once. Yeah, says. I mean Cade Warner is his second year here. You know, I feel like Malik Knowles has been ready for a breakout season for a couple years. The talent has always been there. You know, I just thought I would just you know throw something different out there to spark a conversation. So next one, you're definitely selling this one. Felix will not be the sack leader for K State this year. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I I was I was thinking about potentially Daniel Green, uh, possibly making some noise yeah. as well. But I mean, it, it's King Felix all the way. Yeah. I mean, y- y- he's going to be an absolute monster. I'm anticipating two to three against South Dakota already. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he is just an absolute menace. Uh, NBA uh, top seven uh, up front. For, yeah. For case yeah, I threw that one in there just because, you know, he's going to be the one to get all the attention, right? So maybe, you know, a Khalid Duke or a Nate Matlack or a Jalen Pickle, you know, are the type of guys who maybe, you know, can capitalize on those 1v1 opportunities they're getting. Uh, this one's an interesting one. Oh, actually, I got this one. Deuce Vaughn will finish top five in Heisman voting. 
going to probably have to sell. Yeah. I was thinking top five. Do you think he'll be top ten? He could get top ten? He could possibly get okay. top ten. I, I think it's I think it's possible, but typically in the Heisman in the Heisman voting, running backs are never going to get too much attention. Yeah. And out of a running back's – uh, this season, you're probably going to anticipate Bijan Robinson, yeah. Travion Henderson to make a lot more noise, and it's mainly be- and, and it's nothing against Deuce Vaughn, not nothing at all. I think Deuce Vaughn could still contend possibly as well, but they're going to but they're going to get a lot more notice mainly because they're at Texas and Ohio State. Yeah. So I I think even I mean even then they're not probably going to be considered for the Heisman race, especially when when you got Will Anderson, yeah, um, and C.J. Stroud com- kind of competing. Uh, as well as uh, was it Bryce Bryce Young, Alabama's yes, quarterback? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think those are probably the top three. Yeah, for d- I mean they're already going to get the attention anyway. Even just as a running back, it's harder. You just have to do even more than quarterbacks, just because quarterbacks get all the attention. Um, how about this one, John? K State will finish top six, or maybe top seven in plays per game. You think we're going to pick up the pace this year offensively? And you know, because Cole Manback mentioned on the offense. Are you talking about e- three mile pod that? Go go ahead. I was just going to say that the Big 12 generally has been kind of slowing down the pace. So if the Big 12 is maybe slowing down, we run a little bit of hurry up. Maybe we can creep in because we were last last year. We can creep up a little bit. Maybe not the top half, but not last. I I, I think overall in the Big 12, uh, yeah, I, I'd buy it. I, I've I've heard a lot a lot of um, no huddle breaks lately from from the coaching staff over in the off season. Things are going to be a lot more uh, fast tempo. Overall, you're going to see a lot more electri- electrifying plays that uh, maybe that's just – I mean, there's going to be a lot of speed on this team this season. So yeah. I, I think that could play into a factor as well. And plus keeping up with some of with some of your Big 12 foes as well because we've seen air raid offenses such as Texas Tech, Oklahoma State in the past where they just um, just sling the ball all the time and they were just quick, quick up to speed when it comes to tempo. Yeah, I, w- I would probably buy that one too. I'd like to see us try and pick up the pace. Last one. Between our games against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Baylor, K-State will win two of those games. Against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Baylor, K-State will win two. You know what? I'm feeling good. I, <laughs> I, I think I think it's a buy. I'm, I'm going yeah. buying. I think K-State, especially with Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I mean, they'll beat Baltesta with Nebraska early on, but I, I think K-State's going to be the one team that's really going to sh- shock Oklahoma. I mean, historically, they've done um, historically under climbing, they've done really well against Oklahoma lately. And Oklahoma, there's going to be in a lot of just a big turnover situation uh, with Lincoln Riley over at USC now. So I think I think K State might have an opportunity to win, especially if you start off three and zero. You cannot afford to lose to the likes of Missouri or Tulane. Uh, and then. I think K State gets Oklahoma State possibly at home as well. I think Oklahoma State's offense, like we saw a lot last night against Central Michigan, Spander, Spencer Sanders was able to get his wide receivers open. Um, he was he was just running the ball all over them. Uh, I think that offense is going to do well. But overall, and, but the defense uh, for, for Oklahoma State, I mean, when you when you have one of the top defensive coordinators leave your program, it's probably going to be a little yeah. bit of a long ways up and. For Oklahoma State, especially, you you draw forty four points to Central Michigan, um, which is kind of sad, but oh well. I mean, uh, they they were kind of piling on. They won the game anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. And then, but, um, so I'd probably take that as a second one, especially considering that's a homecoming game, homecoming type of crowd environment. It's going to be a pretty big crowd in hand. So, yeah. Um, you got the home field advantage for sure. 
And then Baylor, I mean, Baylor is just, they're going to have one of the top offensive lines and the defensive lines in the country. Blake Shapin's an, is a, is he's a high a quali- dude. He's a high quality quarterback. He's when really he, good. When he came into the K State game last I was, year, I was like, how is he not their starter? Like, can he play for us? Like- yeah, I mean, he, he just ultimately outplayed Gary, Gary Bohannon yeah. um, during during the offseason. Now he's, he's, he's left Baylor, but. Uh, you add those, you add those factors, and the Baylor home home uh, home factor as well. Uh, I think K State gets two out two of them, but I don't think they beat Baylor. Yeah, all the respect in the world to Dave Aranda. He's an absolutely amazing he, coach. He has really turned that Baylor program yeah. around. It's just incredible. One of my favorite coaches as well, just with the way he presents himself. Cool as a cucumber. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean. Oklahoma State that one yard, uh, but they were just one yard shy. <laughs> and he's yeah, he he was just like completely composed while everybody yeah. behind him was just exploding right yeah, behind him. It's such a great scene. All right, John, that wraps up our buy or sell. Let's go ahead. Let's get into trivia. I won't play my rave music, my over dramatic rave music that I showed you earlier. I'll make a little. I'll make a little, you know, compilation like a hype thing for the next time we do trivia. So, but I still got I, I still got my good stuff here. Let's get into the first. This is season opener trivia. This is exclusively for K State season opener. Trivia. So, first question: What is Bill Snyder's? I should actually say this. Okay, how? What is Bill Snyder's record on opening games? He's played twenty-seven games as home opener. So you have to think. So just do the math on how many losses he's had, and then you know. I'm gonna go with three or four. Three, three or four. I'm gonna go with four. Okay. Well, all let's be nice to you, John. And it was it's three, but you were right there. Um, Arizona State, nineteen eighty nine. North Dakota State, twenty thirteen. Stanford, twenty sixteen. That Arizona State. I think that was Coach Snyder's first game. Yeah, Arizona it was. State. Yeah, thirty one. They had an interception to start the game, and it just kind of <laughs> fell down from there. Yeah, it was not a great game, but you know, he 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 made up for it against uh, North Texas. All right, question two. Uh, let's see. Okay, what is the highest rank K-State has had in the AP preseason poll? Five, six, seven, or eight? I'm going to go five. You know, five? I, I think K-State was number five in 2003 prior to playing California Okay. in Arrowhead Stadium. Okay. Uh, that, is not, that is not correct. It is six in oh, 1998. Oh, 1998. Yeah, I think we were seven in 2003 and eight in 2000. But we've never – six in 1998 was our peak. So That was the ultimate peak. All right. Question three. This one's pretty straightforward, John. So true or false, a K-State opening game has ended in a 0-0 tie. Wow. Uh, Going to have to go true. Uh, of course, that's correct. I wouldn't put that there if it was I false. Mean, I mean, there is a well, like overall in the program history. Yeah, under, total. Yeah, whole program. I mean, you're yeah. gonna, you're definitely going to yeah. see some with likes of Fort Riley and some of the Fort others. Hayes oh. State in 1941. 1941. Yeah, <laughs> a zero-zero tie. It must have been a barn burner in 1941. I know. They were probably talking about World War II and stuff. Back, it was crazy. In, back in the days where you didn't use any mobiles, you just had to walk on walk on foot. All right, John. Question four of five. What is K-State's largest margin of victory in a season opener? Is it A, 1970 versus Utah State, B, 1998 versus Indiana State, C, 1999 versus Temple, 
or D, 2012 versus Missouri State. Again, what is K-State's largest margin of victory in a season-opening game? Utah State in 1970, Indiana State in 1998, Temple in 99, and Missouri State in 2012. I was a little surprised. Um, I was a little surprised Florida Atlantic was on, wasn't on there in 2016, but um, I'll go. I'll go. B. Indiana State. Indiana State. That's correct. Let's go. 66 to nothing. So, man. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. And well. I probably should have like put these in a different order, but we're kind of going to end on a downer here with question five. What is K-State's largest margin of defeat in a season opener? So we have 1948 versus Illinois, 1951 versus Cincinnati, and oh, uh, BYU in 1989, and actually, sorry, I've got these order, and then, <laughs> I think BYU in 1977, and then Arizona State in 1989. So, what largest margin of defeat? Illinois, Cincinnati, BYU, or Arizona State? I'm gonna go BYU. BYU in uh, 1977 is incorrect. It is. They actually. That's really close. BYU beat us 39 to nothing. Illinois in 1948 beat us. 40 to nothing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so wow. it was very, very close. Uh, Arizona State beat us 31 to nothing. Cincinnati beat us 34 to nothing in 1951. So my obviously all these are pre-Snyder. So yep. back when we were absolutely terrible. So, I know. Back when yeah. people were ashamed to wear T-shirts in Aggieville. Yeah. Well, K-State T-shirts in Aggieville. Yeah, and tickets you basically could just get in for free. So. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Just show up. Kind of like how things are in Lawrence right now. Yeah, just show up, you know, like in the middle of the first quarter and get a front row seat. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's going to wrap up our K-State portion of this episode live on Wildcat 91.9. Stick around. We'll preview the Wamego versus Clay Center football game. That's about to happen here at the top of the hour. Uh, But thank you so much for listening to the show. I've been Blake Crawford alongside John Grove and Cats by 90. Cats by 90. Emo. Emo.